I, I've been following the story myself, ground up, and a colleague, Anton Fonseca, we've been pursuing this story since 2018. It seems like forever, frankly. And, and really what we've uncovered is a long list of corruption, theft, abuse, and, and money that should be going to help people mm. um, is, is really ending up, it's buying, it's buying cars, it's buying fancy homes, holidays, overseas trips, etc. Um, so, for example, if I can give you a good example of that, um, over 300 million rand was set aside to build six old age homes across the country and four drug rehabilitation centers. Many of them are in deep rural areas that really are quite difficult to get to. Um, I, I've actually been to look at many of them. Mm. Not a single one of those to this day has ever been completed. Um, I recently returned from Limpopo, where um, I was looking at projects there, and there's a particular old-age home that has received something like 27 million rand. Um, it's, 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 it's the site has been abandoned to the elements. It's mm. falling apart. The only way that thing can be fixed is to actually smash it down and start again. Um, and this story is being replayed across the country. Um, a sports stadium, again in Limpopo, where 11.5 million rand was given to build a, a sports stadium. Now, there's no way you can build a stadium for 11.5 million rand. But anyway, 11.5 <laughs> million rand, literally what happened is an existing stadium that had been built by the local municipality was given a lick of paint, a few doors changed, broken windows, and that's it. Um, if it cost 50,000 rand, it would have been a lot. Wow. The rest of the money just disappeared. Raymond, just so, a quick one. Just a quick one. When yeah. you say it's disappeared, I mean, I guess you, you've tried to follow the trail here. Um, I want so, you to maybe just touch on the operative mechanisms that are then used, I mean, to via this money to the point so, where it ends so up look, buying cars and homes. There's a, we've uncovered a series of modus operandi. Mm. Um, one of the ways it's done is um, 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 uh, NPOs that are, are non-compliant and dormant mm. um, are identified and, and literally hijacked. And new board members put in place... now. The, the details aren't changed at DSD, but new details of new board members are then used to apply to the NLC for funding. Now, it would be a simple matter for the NLC to check whether the people applying for the funding are the same people who, who, who are members of, 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 of those NPOs. Um, new shelf NPOs were literally attorneys, accountants, what they do is they, they, register new, they register new shelf company, make sure they're compliant, and even if there's no turnover every year for tax purposes, they'll report no turnover, financials. Um, we've seen these are used to get money. Mm. We've seen cases where quite literally a new NPO is, is either registered or bought off the shelf, and within weeks or months, money money is paid out to them. For example, the, the wife was the chief operating officer of the NLC. An NPO was bought off the shelf. She's one of the directors. 
It was literally within weeks of her and two others being registered as directors. Four and a half million rand was paid for a project, a sports project. I've never been able to find out what the sports project is. You know, the yeah. thing about the NLC, as a colleague of mine says half jokingly, is as transparent as a toilet window. It's okay, very Raymond, difficult Raymond, to get information out of that. That's a very interesting cliffhanger, that uh, transparency of a toilet window. Let's pause there for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, we'll continue with Raymond Joseph, uh, independent uh, journalist. Uh, he's talking to us about the latest coming out of the National Lotteries Commission and the officials uh, out in Kimberley of the SIU and the Hawks were on hand uh, to see some documents, uh, I guess, as they continue to investigate on that score. Yeah, it's the headlines uh, and uh, eight minutes it is before 8 p.m. I'm in discussion with Raymond Joseph. Uh, this after uh, the SIU and the Hawks uh, seized documents out in Kimberley at uh, the offices of the NLC in uh, this ongoing matter and uh, we also did hear some news uh, out of uh, the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition and uh, we'll get some reactions to that from Raymond Joseph who's my guest tonight a freelance journalist uh, who's written many stories on ground up uh, uh, on uh, this particular matter and uh, Raymond before we went to the break you said I guess uh, they were as transparent uh, yeah, I guess it's a toilet window, um, the NLC itself, battling to find some information on many of their projects here. Uh, but uh, I'm also quite interested, I guess, Raymond, in what you make of how many people who were authorized to respond to this or had the requisite power to respond to this have responded to it. Uh, sorry, which who are you talking about? Well, there would be a wider you, range of institutions, right? I mean, uh, one might be the regulator uh, or the regulator okay, yeah, entity, so, right. and the so, other might be so law look, enforcement, yeah. So the Hawks and the NPA have been largely missing in action. Mm. Over, over a period, there have been several charges laid with the police. Um, passed from hand-to-hand, station-to-station, they, they, they absolutely went... They went nowhere. Um, Parliament. So the the over the the par- parliamentary portfolio committee for trade and industry. They have oversight. Now the 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 ANC has a majority on 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 that committee, and success and um, su- succession of hearings when the NLC appeared before them. Um, they praised the NLC for the work that they were doing. Um, they they gave the NLC a platform, really, with parliamentary privilege to attack me, to attack Ground Up, to attack our reporting. And, you know, there's been calls, the opposition on that committee have been for some time calling for the dissolution of, of the NLC and for it to be placed under administration. Mm. And the NLC has enjoyed some really heavy political cover, I must tell you this. And... And when the tide turned, finally in November 2020, the president actually issued a proclamation mandating the SIU to, to investigate the corruption. You know, the, the, the extent of what we were showing, it, 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 it's, you know, it couldn't be ignored any longer. And quite honestly, what the NLC, so we, we found, and the NLC have confirmed, we, we've been vindicated what, what you've got is it's the it's it's networks of corruption it's layers of corruption where mm. uh, an npo will an npo will successfully get millions of rands in funding some of that money then gets paid onto a private company um, or, um 
they will then take their share. And, and so it goes, and each one takes their share. And what's being created here is the layers. It's, it's the way the Guptas operated, to hide the source of the money. Now, as investigative reporters, you know, we were very fortunate to have some bank statements and documents mm. leaked to us. But we have no power to go into the bank and demand documents or to go to the NLC. The SIU did have that power. And, and, and what they've done, so I've seen some of the stuff that they presented in matters that have become before courts. And, and they have followed the money. You know, investigative journalism, good investigator, you follow the money. And it's really showing layers. But an interesting thing is the extent that businesses related to people at the NLC and particularly the chief operating officer, Philemon Latwaba, mm. where his family, his wife, his cousins, his brother, have received... Um, so money gets given to an NPO for, to build, a, to build a, uh, a drug rehab. Mm. The NLC then wipes its hands off that and steps back and says, right, now it's up to the NPO, who in most cases do not have the experience mm. or the ability to, to handle multi-million rand construction projects. Sure, sure. Um, and, 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 in, and in many cases, companies directly related to him um, then get contracts to work on these projects. Now, very interestingly, he faced a disciplinary inquiry. The result was only announced very recently. Where he was charged with very, very serious offenses, including money laundering and, and corruption to benefit his family. Mm. And what came out in that hearing is that the National Lotteries Commission does not have a policy on conflict of interest that prohibits family um, businesses related to family of NLC employees doing work on NLC-funded projects. I mean, that, that blew me away. Um, that actually shocked me. I've not seen such a policy, but to have it stated like that. Um, and, and we're talking about, so, the, the SIU's investigation, which started in October, uh, I think it was October 2020, October, mm. November 2020. So far, they have completed 12 different investigations um, and, and have uncovered p potential corruption to the extent of 300 million rand. Now, they are about to give their first report dealing with that, with those 12 to, to uh, the president, who hopefully will then release it. But what they say is they are dealing with 50 different matters. Mm. So this 300 million rand, I personally believe that the extent of the corruption is well over a billion rand. It, it will dwarf what happened at VBS. I have no doubt about it. And I guess the scary thing is we don't know what we don't know. You know, there's... So much covering up and so difficult to get documentation. And, and we're just constantly finding new, new areas of corruption. So, for example, what's just happened, you, you, you're talking about Kimberley today. Mm, yeah. So whistleblowers came forward. And, and what the allegation was is that people who work for the National Lotteries Commission use runners going out into the field to identify NPOs,
who will then apply for lottery funding with their assistance. The officials will massage it through the system. And when they are paid their grants, um, there's a kickback of 30 of 30 percent. Mm. Now, seven different seven different um, NLC officials in the, in the Northern Cape are named, including um, the deputy head of the office, the provincial deputy head, and um, and her partner, who is the chief legal officer for that area. And then there's eleven different. NPOs that are named in so so in in the search and seizure order. I got a copy of it, and and, and they named eleven different NPOs. Now, one of them is of particular interest. It's in Kuruman, mm. and I've actually been there and seen it. Now, what has happened is that one has received twenty million rand, and we're talking about four or five years ago. To this day, yet another one, still unfinished. It's run out of money. You see, that's, that's what happens with these projects is the money gets looted and there's not enough money to left over to do the job. And, and, and for me, the real tragedy of it is very often they will have used local people, uh, local brickies, local mm-hmm. electricians, they're small businesses, mm-hmm. you know, 40, 50, 100 grand jobs. In the grand scheme of things, not a lot of money. Sure. A lot of them, we're seeing it all over the country, have just not been paid because the money's gone. Mm, mm, mm. Raymond, yeah. here's the other element that I'm interested in. I mean, I guess you touched on it, but I, but I want to hear you a bit more. I mean, we heard from the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition about a day ago that uh, this board yeah. is not going to finish its term, but also that, um, you know, there's at least some response from their end in addition to what we're seeing now. Are you getting a sense that the dominoes are starting to fall, or I guess, um, you know, are we really, really far from knowing the full picture of what's happened here? No, absolutely. So, so now what is? So yes, look, this is not the end. Mm. This is the beginning of the end. It, yes, the dominoes are starting to fall, and what has happened is the whistleblowers are starting to get come forward. People are empowered, you know, and the SIU are protecting them because. You know, the, the, the context there is pe- people who people who've given evidence. Um, vehicles have been burnt. People have been threatened. A senior member of the NLC who a few years ago blew the whistle. Mm. Um, she was driving home to go and go and visit her kids and live with with her mother in the, in, in her village. Her her brakes failed and her steering her steering stopped working and she. Miraculously survived, but a car crashed into a tree. Mm. I have been threatened. My family has been threatened. You know, it's 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 the modus operandi where if you can't attack the facts, attack the journalist. Um, we we have faced nonstop litigation. It's these slap suits. You know, litigation brought um, to try and exhaust us financially and to tie us up in court. Um. I mean, it, I feel, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm in a movie. I've read this kind of... I've been a journalist for a long time, mm. and I've done hairy stuff. But I can tell you, this is the first time that I personally have got so in the middle of it and seen so close up. I mean, what we are looking at here is classic state capture. So first of all, 2015, the law gets changed, making it easier to allocate funds. Mm. Then good people are forced out of their jobs. Um, 
people are promoted up within up within the ranks. And I can tell you the floodgates opened around 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. And so, 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 yes, I mean, look, the Portfolio Committee, honestly, it did not do its job on oversight. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm really sorry to say, you know, and so when, when Minister Patel spoke to Parliament, you know, and spoke about putting the, the um, getting rid of the board, it, 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 so that matter was raised by a question by the head of the portfolio committee of the uh, a head of the portfolio committee is a member of the ANC mm. who 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 then calls for the immediate dissolution of the board. Well, it's a bit rough because that same committee under the previous chairman who's now died. They they protected the NLC. It was unbelievable the way they 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 protected the NLC. You know, this is listen. I don't want to get into politics and bash the ANC. I'm just telling you, this is the fact. That who dominates on that committee, mm. and they really protected them. And and the tide is now turned. Now, the tide is now turned, and everyone is trying to get on the side of right now. And you know, so so. Minister Patel suspending the board is largely symbolic because the board hasn't been quoted for some time. Um, late last year, an advocate on the board, uh, William Humer, who, by the way, um, got a really uh, got five million rand of lottery funds, which was from an old age home supposed to be built mm-hmm. in Marapanya and and um, Pumalanga help pay for a luxury estate in northern province. Millions and millions of rand, something like 11 million rand from different projects, went in to pay his bond in Pretoria. Mm. Um, you know, it's, so he, he was confronted with evidence. He resigned. I, I saw he'll still be prosecuted and the SIU are going after him, but he immediately resigned. Another member of the board died a few mm. weeks back. So what you've got left standing are two members of the board, um, two, 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 two uh, who've gone through the process, and mm. then the, the minister gets to appoint a nominee to the board. Sure, sure. So, so basically, there are three people left standing. The term of this board ends at the end of March. Mm. So, so firing them is symbolic, but... But in many ways, it speaks volumes sure. in that um, it's sending a very, very strong message out. Raymond, last one here before we have to conclude, and it's so unfortunate we of course, out my of friend. time. Man. But um, the other option you had suggested, I guess, um, which might fill the berth here, is uh, the appointment of an administrator. And if indeed um, that would be something, I mean, it might not be viable now just because of the timeline, because there would need to be a, a new board coming in anyway. But in the intervening period, if an administrator was assigned... What impact would that have, if any, in the disbursement to legitimate projects that are deserving of some of this money from the NLC? Well, I, I don't think an awful lot. The systems are the systems are in place. Okay. And look, you know the new the new board. Look, the new board um, adverts close for nominations and applications on the seventh of March. Yes. The term of this board ends on the thirty first of March. Mm. Now, there's not enough time for for a list to be made up, people to be interviewed, mm. successful people have then got to be in, uh, checked out by the SSA to make sure there's no there's no skeletons in their closets. 
I cannot see, I cannot see that they will be in place or new chairman will be in place by the end of the month. I I do believe that they are going to have to put in some kind of administrator mm. and do it, you know. But listen, it needs to be cleaned up. The lottery, I do want to say that the lottery is a force for good and can have a huge impact mm. in this country. Yeah. Unfortunately, good causes that were previously rape crisis, children, yeah. you know, serious, yeah. SPCA, serious stuff, have received less and less, mm. and the Tsotsis have walked away with so much. I think that the lottery cleaned up could really help turn corners in this country, and it's a force, it can really be a force for good yeah. for what it was intended. Yeah. Raymond? We're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately, for tonight. Thank you very much for so generously sharing of your time. Um, and, Anytime, uh, my friend. And the great work that you've put in here. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Be well. Cheers. Bye. Raymond Joseph, a freelance journalist, there speaking to us uh, tonight here on Metro FM Talk. And they are saying that uh, the Tsotsis, uh, the Skabangas, um, yeah, I guess um, have effectively yeah, fleeced the uh, National Lottery's uh, uh, distribution fund, I think as it's called. Um, and I guess there's big questions there. I think it's right there towards the end. I mean, if you look at the quantum of money dispersed here and the impact it has on non-profit organizations and other community assets and infrastructure, I mean, it's the type of money that can... Uh, but uh, there are some who go about, uh, I guess, uh, making sure that that money is vied away from our communities into dealerships uh, and into buying homes and landing up into, you know, the accounts of notaries and conveyances. Siglondo. Siglondo. But I think there's something much more fundamental also here. Um, and it's something we're going to talk about in the next few minutes or so in the case of uh, Paraguana. That in a sense, and it's, you know, so, so startling, right? So, so the government is the one that marshals and has power over the allocation of some of this money. Be it in the case of the lotto, be it in the case of, you know, life as it many where the budgets for, you know, mental health uh, uh, care users were, were involved. And now in the case of Paraguana where the healthcare users, all of those budgets sit with government in some shape or form. It might be provincial government, it might be entities and agencies of particular national departments, but Nguholumend. Yet there's something that then happens in how we design the processes of actually spending the money building the things that need to be built, administering the services that have to be administered, which should say to us that privatizing everything does not always lead to optimal outcomes. Who had the contracts, all those non-profit organizations that were set up to go and provide care to mental health patients? These are the outcomes of outsourcing. The fact that we even outsource the building of rudimentary elementary structures in our communities via NLC money. We do that in some cases to create this political economy where people are willing to fight the, over each other to be able to capture some of that money, spend as little as they can so that they can take some of that money and go and build or buy nice houses. Oganyalamali Pelele with dealerships.